Well, I grew up listening to a wide range of music. Um, it ranged from jazz to big band and, uh, and then to organ music. Uh, my dad actually got me started on organ music. Um, and then it went to Phantom of the Opera and Les Mis and Cats and just some incredible, you know, Broadway, um, uh, Broadway music. And then it went to the Beach Boys. We sang it in choir. Um, surfing USA and um, singing to some of those songs of the 50s and the 60s, all the way to the Bee Gees. And, um, and when I went to church camp as a kid, I would, I'm probably dating myself, but I would sing songs like As the Deer or Christ in Me. If you have no idea what those songs are, that's okay. Um, but they were just songs where I would sing these songs and we'd be in a camp setting and they would just get me choked up. But I realized that as I was thinking about that, I was more emotionally touched by the song more than the Christ behind the song. And it was only when I started connecting songs to the theology behind the songs, worship songs have always played a huge point of turning points of my life. It was the hymn, Solid Rock. Um, maybe you've, you've listened to that, but it spoke to me when I was wrestling with the call to ministry. And it reminded me that I wanted that, that God, I was just saying, God, give me an answer. But the answer that God gave was that Jesus is my solid rock. All other ground is sinking sand. And it was a, it's a scripture. And it, it just moved me to the point of surrendering to ministry. And then I remember a time in college when I was in missions, doing some mission trips in Arizona, and there was a song uh, by the Vineyard uh, Movement and, uh, where there was a lot of vineyard churches that were uh, being, being planted and, and growing and, and where people were really seeking intimacy with God. That just spoke to me in college um, at a mission trip. And I was just feeling really weak and feeling really unworthy. But there was a song called You Are My Beloved, which reminded me of my identity in Jesus that it didn't matter what I did for him, but that God, and even that I was undeserving before God, but God in his grace had saved me. And the song goes like this, you are my beloved, my creation, and you love me as I am. You have called me chosen, uh, unashamed to call me your own. You are my beloved. And that spoke powerfully to my identity as a child of God, it still does to this point. That though I was sinful and wretched and blind and thinking that I had nothing to give to God, that Jesus, he called me his chosen, that he would call me beloved, that he would take my place and die a sinner's death and he would die and be risen from the grave three days later so that I, by faith alone, by his grace alone, I can just trust and submit my life and give my life to Jesus. And I would never, ever give it back because Jesus is all the world to me. I remember feeling so unworthy of that call, but yet God used that song to just propel me um, to mission and to ministry. And I bring this all up because knowing that songs, you probably have a heart song. You have a song in which it is a powerful medium for you. Sometimes the greatest expressions of music probably can happen outside of the church. In the secular world where recording artists and people worship them and they will pay extravagant amounts of, 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 of money just to see them live in concert, just to get a touch of them, just to be able to see them and get a piece of them. 
And so we gotta ask ourselves, what makes our worship any different from what we see out there? What actually drives Christian worship? And what do you think about when responding to God in worship? What are we thinking about? Does our minds just think of songs, worship concerts, big productions, worship festivals, the latest and best worship songs? My hope is that the worship is not driven by the world standards, but it's not about a certain song leader. It's not about a certain experience. And I'm not knocking that we should have experiences. We need to have experiences to reveal our love for Jesus and, and to be an inter-sweet intimacy in the presence of, of our Father. But what is, at the end of the day, what is the driver of our worship? And what happens in worship? And what should be the response of our worship? Let's take a look back at our text in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 and, and, uh, 16 and 17. It says, uh, Paul reads, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Well, what drives our worship? Um, the gospel drives our songs. We see from the passage, it says that the let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. It means that this is the word about Christ. This word, you, should be translated not just you personally, not just you, Caden, not just you, Daniel, not just you, Blake, but y'all, right? I probably didn't get that right. I'm a Californian, it's okay. Um, it's it to be translated y'all, right? Paul is really speaking to y'all as the entire Colossian church and by extension you as a Hope Church family. Chapter three, verse 12 through 14, it is speaking to the individual believers and how they should put on compassion and kindness and love. And then in verses 15 through 17, he now is speaking to the entire church as a whole. Now think back to the first person who led you to Christ. Or think back to the first occasion in which you may not know the person who led you to Christ, but maybe you can remember the time in which you surrendered your life to Jesus. And maybe you don't, but maybe when it, was first when it first became clear. Do you remember the exact words that they shared with you? Probably not. But I bet you this, do you remember the gospel that was preached to you? That Christ was died, he was raised to life, that you're called to repent and turn your keys of your life over to Jesus and say, he is my Lord. That's what is the contents by which I sense Jesus was speaking to me personally and convicting me that time in which I was convicted by my own sin in high school. And that was the gospel. And that's what Paul's reflecting to them earlier. If you turn back in verse five of chapter one, Paul goes back and he's always going back and he's going back to the beginning, to the gospel, the time in which they first turned to Jesus. And he says, we always thank God. We are always thankful. We're praying for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the world it is bearing fruit and increasing 
as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, uh, our beloved fellow servant. You see what Paul is doing? He's drawing them back to that first day in which they came to Christ. Paul wasn't there, though. Paul actually did not plant this church at Colossae. Now, it was actually a Colossian native, Epaphras, named Epaphras, who heard Paul's preaching. He trusted in the gospel. He converted to Christ. And then he went back to his hometown of Colossae. And then he shared it with others. He was just a faithful man, but he faithfully proclaimed the gospel. People converted to Christ through his ministry, and a church was born. And so Paul is exhorting the church to go back to their first love. And then a simple command, he's bringing back them to a time in which they had tasted and seen that the Lord is good. That in their weakness, in their sin, Jesus was that sacrifice for their sin and had paid in full by his blood. And this is the Jesus in which was proclaimed by Epaphras. And so just even in this simple part of the context, we see that a response of praise is never devoid um, of the gospel or the teaching of the word of Christ, the word about Christ, of who he is and what he's done. And so if we believe that Christian worship is distinct from everything else in the world that they could manufacture, that they could dream up of with all this, you know, fog machines and lights and all these special effects, The main thing about Christian worship is that it must reflect the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Therefore, in our Christian gatherings, the driver of our worship is how people are coming away with a deeper love for Jesus and a deeper understanding of who he is that leads to affection and love and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Worship should leave us right there in the throne room of God and also in the intimacy of God and the presence of who he is. And we're called to literally, as we are called in the New Testament, to bow toward proskuneo, which literally means to bow toward, to bend the knee, basically to serve Christ with our lives. And saying, God, I surrender to you and your plans And I know that your life and your um, death was for me. And I want to live my life and even die for the sake of the gospel. I'm bowing my knee to you and lifting it up in surrender. That is worship before God that God accepts and that should drive it. And it's indwelt with the word of Christ. I think this also means and hints to that Christ himself, the word about Christ, the word himself, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He dwells within us. His spirit lives in us in John chapter 13 and John chapter 14 and 15, 26. And his primary function as the spirit of God, as he lives within us, for all those who have confessed Christ as Lord, his primary function of the spirit is what? John 14, 26 to 27, to teach you all things and to bring you to remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give with you. It's to put you in the presence of the Prince of Peace, to know that he 
is the one that gives you peace beyond all measure, something that the world can never, ever give us. The success of our worship lines up with how much people are left with the word of Jesus. And that means that our worship, as much as we love songs, as much as we love Maverick City music, as much as we love Hill songs, as much as we love, um, you know, uh, Chandler Moore, as much as we love um, just uh, so many different types of music, this means that worship is not primarily about songs. It's about how much they reflect scripture. And true, script, true worship is defined by scripture is not driven by song, but the word is the driver of the song. If Jesus prescribed certain worship songs or hymns and we just had to go through the motions, that would not be worship. That would be ritual and that would be painful. But Jesus said, worship is about a person. It's about a person who's fully God, fully man. And it brings to mind what Jesus has said to us, that we will experience him, that he will always be with us. He would never leave us nor forsake us. And I just want us to think about this. This may seem so obvious, but this is just the remembrance um, that we need to give as believers in Christ. You know, I was looking at some of my old files and um, in my closet, kind of cleaning up, and I came across Christine's, uh, some of Christine's love letters. And I, I'm totally gonna embarrass her, but um, I, I soaked in, I'm not gonna tell you what, what it said, but all I want to say is that I soaked up every single detail I remember every single, like almost every single moment, every single thing she was talking about. I was remembering the stage of my life. I was remembering just the, the love that she poured out in her words, and my heart was just touched. I mean, I was just, um, I was just so in love with my wife and just renewed uh, my life and inflated my love for her um, as I was reading um, her love letters. And if it is, that's the case, you know, with my wife and, um, and it's the case with your spouse, um, how much more is it for Christian worship, right? You know, it's not so much whether we have more songs than hymns or psalms um, versus praise choruses or more hymns or if we're spontaneous songs in the Spirit. There's all room for all three of those things as we see in the text. The purpose of our songs is to remind us of this, that we are saved by sovereign grace, right? We are chosen by a gracious and a holy God. And we, if we had not had that, we would not be singing at all. If God, by his holiness and greatness and justice and mercy, he could have left us to go to our own devices and to be uh, receiving the due penalty of our sin. And we'd be creaking under the weight of eternal judgment before a holy God. Holy God would be righteous and just to leave his people to suffer under the judgment of the law. That's justice. But God, but God, he didn't just stop at justice. He came at us with a rich and a lavish mercy. Therefore, you have been made alive in Christ and has been raised in the heavenly places in Christ 
For it is by grace that you have been saved. And that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God so that no one may boast. Bam. And Jesus is raised up in glory. He's resurrected over death, over sin. And he's crushed it all to death. And he said, all these things I have crushed. I've defeated Satan. I've destroyed sin's hold on you forever. And I have put the kingdom in your hearts. And one day you will come face to face with me, the living God, because I love you and I have raised for you and I've died for you and I've lifted you up so that you can be with me. And that's the power of worship. That's what God has called us all. And I just want to say songs work hand in hand with scripture. Yeah, I hear this all the time too. And I think I'm guilty of it too many times. Oh, wow, that time of worship was really good today. Or those songs were just, were just amazing. Or Michael, you led me to worship. Or Monica, man, that was just an amazing set. And while we want to give encouragement and we want to build up the body and we have some incredibly gifted people here, I think this implies that we're only thinking that worship implies, is, is only implied in worshiping in song. But when we worship, when we sing, but we also worship as we are sitting here in silence and receiving the, the teaching of God's word. See, proclamation of scripture and the praise of God are equally worshiped. Why? Because Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so what we see here is that scripture and song go hand in hand. When songs are reflecting the scriptures accurately, scripture actually is instructing us through the song. And it's not the singer or the song or the instrument that brings salvation. It's about Jesus. And I don't think there's anything more powerful than that. And that's what good songs do. They drive us to grace. They drive us to be in the right space, to be able to respond rightly, humbly to God's word being preached to us. And I'm so thankful for our worship leaders in that they are also getting out of the way and pointing us to the Christ that has saved us. And I love that. And as good as the songs and the singers are, it's Christ that works salvation. And I was just really struck by that this morning. I was filling in for one of my friends who was doing the sabbatical, and um, I just got to guest preach at their church. And I was just so um, enraptured and so encouraged, you know, just by how they rehearsed the gospel and represented the gospel in some of their worship rhythms. Um, it was, um, they, they started off with a song talking about God's greatness. They talked about, and they stopped and had a confession to pardon, and then they confessed their sins corporately, and then they had pastoral intercession, and then, uh, you know, they, they passed around, did the offering, which, you know, and then they uh, had the word, and then uh, they had closing songs, and then the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And it was so cool because um, these were just all inflaming my love for the gospel. And everything was lined around the gospel. Now God was worthy of our lives being poured out. And uh, one of the songs was A Thousand Hallelujahs. And um, it says this, Who else would rocks cry out to worship? Whose glory taught the stars to shine? Perhaps creation longs to have the words to sing, but this joy is mine. 
With a thousand hallelujahs, we magnify your name. You alone deserve the glory, the honor, and the praise. Lord Jesus, this song is forever yours. A thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. Can you just picture yourself in heaven right now? There'll be a time in which all of the scales and the junk and the stuff that we are going through right now and seeing in our world and in our culture and the sin that we're battling with, the strife and all that will be wasted away. It will be a forethought. It won't even be a forethought. We'll come face to face with the glory of God. We'll come face to face with our Father. And the scripture says that we will see him as he is. There will be one day in which a hundred hallelujahs, a thousand hallelujahs will give way to a thousand more. And that's not even gonna touch the bottom of the bucket of God's worth and greatness. Amen? Just picture that. Let your heart be moved to that, that you will one day, I just couldn't get over it, that I was just coming back in the car and just saying, God, I'm gonna... I'm gonna worship you, God. I am worshiping you now in the fullness of your spirit, but one day, I'm gonna see you in your glory. And even all the thousands of hallelujahs are just, they're not gonna be enough. But Jesus, everything will be yours. Um, our songs are not enough to tell the greatness of God's worth. Our music is not enough we'll have the whole eternity to praise him. And uh, if you thought it was catchy, Caleb was singing it in the car, and then he was singing it at home when I left, and he was asking about it, <laughs> and he wanted to sing it. And I just thought, that is so cool, to see that there are songs that lead us and drives us to grace, and that leads us straight back to the scriptures and back to the very heart of Christ himself. His worth, his glory, his gospel, and his very words. You know, Jesus is the greatest songwriter of all time. Because whenever we're singing his words, we're singing it back to him. And I think that gives God greatest glory. And I think that's what the word of God dwelling richly within us looks like. Well, what happens during worship so we saw that the gospel is the driver of our worship. Well, what happens during worship? Um, say this with me. Singing is teaching. Got it? Singing is teaching. Say it to your neighbor. Singing is teaching. When we're singing the gospel, we are teaching and admonishing others about Christ. So there's, obviously there's a vertical element, but have you thought about that? There's a horizontal element. You know, we're not just sitting, sitting here and singing our songs to Jesus and closing our eyes and saying... Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're my only one and you're the only God for me and we're, you know, we're just kind of having our own like worship experience in here. But worship is also corporate, right? It's not only showing your heartfelt song to God that he's worthy and treasured and loved, but also that he's worthy and treasured and loved by the entire world. And one day we will be able to do that. But now as we are doing that, this is a foretaste of what you're doing in heaven and so have you thought about how, what do you look like? Have you ever, you should just take a video of yourself. Maybe not right now, but take a video of yourself worshiping. 
But what do you look like? How are you exhorting and teaching and admonishing others in the congregation to worship God? What are you showing about the character of God? Are you bowing down before the Lord in humble reverence? Do you have a smile on your face? And are you communicating that Jesus is your joy? Are you just simply just basking in his presence that you have no words? And you're just communicating that God in his presence, there's nothing more than you would ever want. You know, you have a role, a job to play, and that is teaching and admonishing and teaching people how and who God is through the way that you worship. And, um, and this is so clear in the scriptures. We see the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Also, um, because we balance the word of God and also the spirit of God, Ephesians 5, 19, a direct parallel to our text, also puts in, in as a median in saying that we're to be filled with the spirit, that we're addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And here in our text, we're called to, t- to teach and admonish one another. And so Paul is saying here that there is a means in which you are admonishing others in the way that you worship. Whether you are lifting up your hands and surrender to the Lord, whether you are praying for someone else and lifting them up in quiet intercession, whether you are just, just hands raised and you're, you are smiling and you're just praising God with all your might, saying that Jesus, he is worthy to, be sur- to surrender all of your life, to him, you are teaching, you are admonishing, you have the freedom and privilege of admonishing one another. And these songs are also done in wisdom. The form is in psalms and in hymns and spiritual songs. Now psalms, um, I love how in Belong, y'all are, are, are memorizing Psalm 16. Um, I think um, definitely we wanna see that happening in our homegirls. There's something powerful as the elders were talking about just memorizing scripture. I love it when we start at the psalms. There's such power in those words and they were not meant to be read, they were meant to be sung. And then there's hymns. They were reflected also in the New Testament scriptures. Actually, if you look in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, that's an example of an early Christian hymn. And then spiritual songs. Spiritual songs are just songs that are led by the Spirit um, at the heat of the moment and encasing the truth of the scripture to speak into uh, some need at the moment for the building up of the body of Christ. And um, I think Randy is going to talk more about how our, bot, at our, our spiritual gifts, they are meant to build up one another in tactfulness and wisdom. And I'm excited about that. That can range from your gifts of service. The guys that are doing facilities, thank God for, Ms., for Blake and Case and all those who are helping out. Thank God for the AV guys, Daniel Falkenstein and Ben and Austin and our, uh, you know, PowerPoint Blaine's up there. And I know Lauren um, and just thanking God for the service that they have to our gifts of exhortation, even all the way to the gifts of prophecy, interpretation and tongues. Um, One thing that we do before service every single time is we have a time of intercession where we gather and we pray against the enemy, right? And for the Holy Spirit to pour out himself, and because we have that authority in Christ. And so you'll hear more about that next week. But what is the goal of gospel-driven song? This is the last point. The goal of gospel-driven song is gratitude. 
Just want to point your attention really quickly in verse 15, 16, and 17. Verse 15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What? With? Come on, body. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. Thank you. Yeah, keep it coming. Keep it coming. Um, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving to God the Father through him. Um, Ultimately, this is like a, a thank you sandwich. Three times to the corporate body, each one of these commands are just are just fused with this heart of gratitude. And you see the progression. It goes from an individual heart to, um, it says, you know, you're called the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, right? And be thankful. So go from hearts to verse 16, the word of Christ dwelling richly among you. So your spoken word, your songs, to have that infused with thankfulness. And then whatever you do, your life, Make sure it is a, a huge song of thank you, of surrender to God. We see Paul didn't just put this in there because he's repetitive. He did everything and he punctuated because he was saturated by a profound thankfulness for Jesus that it just saturated everything that he did. And this is punctuated by the fact that he was called to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus And what we see here is that most people don't put a lot of stock into names. I think some of us do, especially in the names of our kids. Um, But now I think that's what we see. We see in scripture, we see the names. Name changes are usually as a result of a powerful power encounter with the living in God that has changed the course of direction. We think of Peter and Cephas. We think about um, just him after his denials and after he was restored. We think about Jacob. We think about all these things where the names were changed. And here, Jesus is saying, you are now my little Christs. You are Christians. You have thrown out the old worn clothes and you put on the new clothes. Now you have the authority that I have put upon you the name of Jesus Christ over every one of you. It's stamped and sealed and signed and forever secure in heaven that you are mine and you are mine because I love you, and your whole life is going to be a fuel of giving thanks to God, the Father. May this just be really an encouragement um, to us, that we should be looking for opportunities to witness, to share the testimony to our new identity in Christ, to Lord, just the saying, just last week from LJ's message, to be intentional about the conversations that we have that in whatever you do, in your word or deed, to find ways to give thanks to what God has done because you never know as you are worshiping, that can lead to a word about Christ that can change somebody's life. And so I wanna close just by with inviting uh, Michael up here. But what I wanna just take a moment and I wanna go through hallelujah for the cross and just the bridge but what I would just want us to remind us and just leave us with is that the song doesn't drive us to the song, but it drives us to grace. And if you put up the slides, um, if you can, or if you haven't. Um, oh, yeah. So 
we see that the best songs are infused with scripture. And when you look at the bridge of Hallelujah for the Cross, by your stripes I'm healed. And that just comes out of Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And the New Testament echoes that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. And he himself bore our body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. I mean, just think about how scripture rich that is. And then, by your death I live, Romans 5.10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And then the power of sin overcome. And I wanna speak this over you, Hope Church, as you worship, and as we'll have a time in a moment to be able to sing this back to God. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is finished. It is done. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. I just really see that. I hope that you see the songs given away to the scriptures. And that as you sing songs of grace, that you're letting the word of God dwell richly within you in the scriptures. And that's gonna lead you straight to grace. So I just wanna invite our prayer team after this song to come up and to come forward and we'll have our time of prayer. But let's just stand and let's just celebrate our God as we sing this bridge, as we sing this with a heart of gratitude to our King and to our Jesus because by his stripes we've been healed. Father, thank you so much for this time and we pray that the songs would be reflected in our hearts and that you would draw us ever closer with songs of gratitude. Thank you, God. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship, Hope.